RCR with Paul Brennan, Reality Check Radio. I'm reading from the HatchardReport.com. One of the top stories just posted, a seismic shift in scientific understanding is underway. That has me curious. So I thought I'd get Guy Hatchard on the program to explain what this seismic shift is. It's always good for a chat, is Guy. Welcome, Guy, back to RCR. Good to have you. Good to be here, Paul. All right. Seismic shift is not a small shift. It's a big shift. Uh, Yes, that's exactly what we're seeing. And they happen from time to time in science. Uh, Thomas Kuhn wrote his famous book, Structure of Scientific Revolutions, um, probably about 70 years ago. And uh, what happens when there are new facts that come to light or new findings that discredit a theory, then there's a period of an extraordinary science where scientists debate and argue among themselves and try to come up with a new theory. And, and that's what we're seeing now with the, there has for, um, again, for around 70 years, there has been this uh, paradigm of genetics that the DNA is like an alphabet. It's it's sort of linear. It's almost like a book, a very big book that has right. sets of instructions and there's been a crisis, basically, because one gene doesn't cause one effect. Genes cooperate with one another. They have multiple roles that they undertake. So the DNA molecule is not like a book. It's more self-interacting. And the pandemic has really uh, brought out a crisis because the range of adverse effects resulting from the vaccine have raised all kinds of questions about what, how exactly uh, genetics functions. And we were sold a very simplified picture at the beginning that we're simply going to set a, a little you know, set of instructions into cells and they'll make some spike protein for a little while. And the immune system will say, oh, that's spike protein. I don't like that. I'm going to deal with it so that you become immune. But that hasn't happened. And in fact, inside the cytoplasm, that means in the in the cell, cytoplasm is between the genetics and the wall of the cell. There are actually 40 million RNA molecules. Whoa. You have this immense complexity. And what the vaccine does is to go into the cell and say, into this complex structure and say, you're going to do what I say now. You're going to do it like this. So it's altering the cell. And when you think about it, life begins with one cell. That's how life begins. And that cell is going to program everything about us, our whole physiology, all our organ systems, our immune system, the stability of the physiology, our consciousness. And you are actually proposing that you're going to go in there and say, uh, do it differently. It's That's, kind of mad when you put it like that. Yeah, well, it is. And and this is this has engendered a huge debate, but you wouldn't know it because there are so many other people that are involved in the modern world. You have these uh, billionaire biotech investors 
you have the World Health Organization, you have governments, you you have uh, all kinds of people, fact checkers, and uh, who are, who are in there, basically, and they feel that they have some skin in the process. But look, this is a scientific debate. It, it's not a it's not a commercial debate. What we've seen is the commercialization of very very dangerous processes, and we're seeing experimentation on the whole population. Yeah. This was the real madness. It, and this is the this is a kind of frightening step. I, just to give you an idea, Paul, of uh, what this means is that vaccine manufacturers have got freedom from liability. They can't be sued under the, the agreements that they've they've got and various laws in various countries. And so they can roll out their products, but then they can actually change the contents of the, of the products. Like the bivalent vaccine, they've simply changed what goes into the vaccine. So they're, they've just got a rolling experiment going. And there's no process, which before the pandemic, it took 10 to 12 years to get a new vaccine on the market. Now they're just free to, to you know, well, I'll change a bit here and a bit here and see how it, and see what happens. So they've they've set in motion the freedom to experiment upon people. Yeah, I, I can. This, this is the thing I struggle with. Well, there's plenty of things I struggle with, but one of them all the time is this this uh, cover on liability. Who in their bloody right mind would agree to that? I, I, I mean, you'd yeah, have to I, be a moron. <laughs> you would, wouldn't you? Because uh, even you know the guy on the street gets that. And, and then to play like kind of Russian roulette, I know that we probably don't have the actual answer, but on your population with confidence, man. It's it's breathtaking, isn't it? And and it's I and there's yeah, this is a very technical field, biotechnology. And there's not a lot of people really sort of qualified to ask the right questions, certainly not in the press. And people are not asking the uh, the questions, and it, and in fact, we we saw today in the in the news that uh, Sue Sue Gray, the lawyer, is going to be disciplined because she questioned vaccine safety. Well, there hasn't been a court case yet in New Zealand where lawyers have been able to cross-examine state witnesses. So the the actual process is not matching up. What's happening is judges saying, well, we're going to have to accept, this is technical, we're going to have to accept the the evidence of the government's witnesses without cross-examination. Well, again, why do we have to accept that? Who said, whoever said that? Yeah, that's right, because there is this, this, this sort of, um, it's like a, a, a mirage in a sense, that this is a, a, a set piece of science. In the, in the BBC today, there was an interesting article. It was about, um, again, coming back to what biotechnology can do and can't do. It was about personalized medicine. There's been a lot of publicity, probably some of it written by artificial intelligence, saying we've got this wonderful era of personalized medicine coming where we're going to be able to design new drugs suited to individuals. 
And the article basically set out the case of one person where a whole, you know, galaxy of scientists, a, a young person who suffered from a serious genetic defect and, uh, 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 you know, under five. And they set out to design a drug that would help this person from scratch. And for years, this huge number of scientists struggled to do it and eventually came up with a drug that didn't work. And the, the article concludes that it's a myth. This is beyond the capabilities of our medical system. How many individuals? You've got 5 million individuals in, in New Zealand, 8 billion on the planet. And if one individual is going to soak up the, the talents of, of 10 or 15 or 20 highly paid biotechnologists who can't even come up with an answer, then you've got to conclude that this new era of biotech medicine is a complete myth. It's highly risky because of, we come back to that initial point, because of the complexity of the operation of the DNA. It doesn't you, you, work how we think it works. You make a point in this piece, you refer back to Einstein, and that got me thinking because it seems to be human nature that uh, if a discovery is made, that that, that is seized upon and, and the first moment of understanding in a galaxy of, of unfolding understanding that is yet to come is seized upon. We're seeing that now with the, the James Webb Telescope. You know, we're seeing galaxies now, to believe what we're seeing, that shouldn't be there, which rewrites, actually, or challenges the Big Bang. And that's yeah. hard for people. But for so long, and, and again, I think this is the, the paradigm that point you're making, for so long, that was that, that's how it happened. No question. People seize upon the first sort of bit of information, and that becomes how it happened. And then someone like Einstein comes along, challenges that, and, and people don't go, oh, okay, you might have something. They fight it. They defend that initial position. And that's and defending an initial position is not science, is it? I mean, the, the no. science can't happen in, in that environment. It seems like this is kind of the same thing. It, it is. You know, when Galileo saw the moons of Jupiter, then uh, the prevailing theory was that space was made of sort of solid uh, crystal um, and that the planets were all sort of revolving in these spheres of crystal. And, of course, the moons going around Jupiter weren't going to fit in. But the experts from the Vatican who looked through his telescope said, I don't see anything, because they had a paradigm to... Uh, you know, to defend. And it went throughout society, actually. John Donne, famous uh, poet in London, wrote, "'Tis all in pieces, all coherence gone." You know, it was an existential threat. And I think for 70 years, we have lived with this idea that we're unraveling the secrets of life. And uh, that, you know, anyone who says, no, no, we, have, we, we, we seem to have got it wrong, <laughs> which we certainly have, then uh, you know it's a bit of a threat to your world and where you where you think you stand. And but, but even uh, if you're seeing it with your own eyes, like you just um, mentioned with Galileo, like okay, you might say that, but I'm seeing it with my own bloody eyes. Yeah, that's what we're seeing now. But apparently, we can't trust our own eyes. We're actually not seeing that. We're seeing something else. I mean, it's so ridiculous. 
Well, there was a paper out um, this week, uh, it, um, Effectiveness of the Coronavirus Disease 2019 Bivalent Vaccine. Now, this was a study of 51,000 healthcare employees, and it found that the bivalent uh, vaccine uh, had 29% effectiveness against the BA.4.5 strain, but we don't have the BA.4.5 strain anymore. We have the XBB strain. They found it had zero effectiveness against the XBB strain. Um, but it, it was worse than that because they also found that the more shots that you have, the greater the likelihood that you would catch COVID. So it wasn't just zero effective. Genius. Genius. Actually, yeah. And and then the, the authors said um, that they found three other papers that have found similar results. And here we are in the middle of this giant campaign by our government to make sure everyone takes the ex this shot, the bivalent shot, which is way out of date because it was designed for the BA.4.5 strain, which is long gone. Uh, why are they doing it? I, I mean, it's sort of madness. It's kind of, it's just along the lines of what you're saying, that, that the evidence is there. It doesn't work. It makes things worse. But we're going to go on telling people that they must have this shot. And it's. It, well, well uh, you could only conclude a few things from that. Either they're all mad. That's a possibility that they are actually mad. I mean, that would be a definition of madness for me. What is What was Einstein's definition? Uh, I remember that, you know, do the same thing over and over and expect a different result. Yeah, that's the commonly used definition of madness. I hear that all the time. Or they know they they know what the deal is, but they're so far up Ship Creek without a paddle that you that's all you can do is go on as if everything's okay and nothing to see here and hope the masses. And I see that you've made mention of that in your piece too. Members of the public adversely affected by the vaccines may be the last to hear about it. Hope yeah. that no one kind of hears about it or, or knows about it. And that would point to some of the moves that are being made now to limit speech and to um, uh, call disinformation and all of that, because you would do that in this situation. I don't know which one it is. It's probably a mix of everything. But how long does it take to hear about it finally, given I'm seeing ambulances all the time. I know people who have been hit, people close to me, they haven't joined the dots yet, which blows me away. But surely there must be some sort of reckoning coming at some time, or maybe not. I don't know. I, I think it, it must come. Uh, you know, there are people dying here, and uh, it, th there will be a reckoning come. But the wheels, what we're finding is the wheels are turning slowly. That's, and that's typical. Uh, you know, Einstein, after his 1905 discovery of quanta and uh, the um, Brownian motion and so on, uh, and relativity, it, for 10 years he faced severe criticism uh, from, his, from many of his colleagues. And so we're seeing people who are clinging to a paradigm and who are prepared to do really quite dastardly things yeah. to defend their paradigm. Claire Craig, who's a retired pathologist at the NHS in the UK, 
this week was pointing out in an article in Heart that um, the the NHS has been retrospectively altering data about heart attacks and atrial fibrillation, massively altering the altering the data and giving no reason for why they're doing it. So going back years, changing all of the data that has been in the public record. So she was able to go back, look at the public record, look at what their new data was and say, why on earth is this happening? And no one will say why. And you, you have to ask yourself, who am I trusting and why are they doing this? That That's uh, well, it's I, I people defending a paradigm. It's pretty obvious. Yeah. You, you've got to rewire history. So you, you, you um, try and minimize to the lowest level possible accountability. And biotechnology really is, it's conceived as a source of vast, almost unimaginable uh, profits. Governments governments are, you know, betting the bank on biotechnology. The US government, the UK government being, will keep them as global leaders. So people have got a lot of skin in this game. They really, they really don't want people to know that this experimental technology is not actually working. That's, so, that's the big secret. Though it could be working if you wanted to conduct an experiment at that scale, because it is working. The experiment has and is being conducted. So that's probably quite a successful outcome for those who, who, who want to run that, run that experiment. It's happening. Well, well, they do. Yeah, the, the people who want to experiment on the human race, they've got what they wanted, um, and they're and they're playing their roulette, and they're it's the the ball has landed on the wrong color, and they're spinning it again and again. Yeah, and they're blinded by their own uh, desire to, you know, do whatever they're going to do at any cost. But actually, you can't recoup human life. Um, if this is a paradigm shift and you use the uh, example of Einstein, 10 years for people to wake up to his um, theory, which, you know, when you think about it, makes perfect sense at the at the non-quantum level anyway. Um, so this paradigm shift will run its course. Who knows where it'll end up? But do you think, do you think we'll realize at the end of it that it's not possible to actually play God? It's just not possible. We, we just will never know enough. I, I think the real paradigm shift is that, you know, really for 400 years, science has sought to exclude consciousness. And genetics is the interface between matter, where almost work to exclude consciousness, and the human body, where you can't exclude, exclude consciousness. So the the paradigm shift that is there is beginning to understand that you have to understand the relationship between matter and consciousness. And that's the great big new frontier. Yeah. And uh, people are afraid of that. But it's where we have to go. We have to. uh, And look, it's natural. Uh, Everybody is trying to understand themselves. That's that's what we're here for, isn't it? (laughs) Yeah. I thought so. So, but that, that's a that's a a real um, difficult one because consciousness doesn't seem physical. 
Well, that's it's abstract, isn't it? But then you look at physics, and uh, physics is really again the abstract is there everywhere. It, you know, when systems evolve, they evolve in a multi-dimensional abstract Hilbert space, and they involve prob they evolve probabilistically. Yeah, pro it's a probability distribution system. Yes. is what it is. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And and what does that remind you of? How we live our daily lives. Am I yeah. going to have a, a, you know, am I going to go down and uh, buy myself a new pair of trousers or am I going to go to work or shall I have an ice cream or, you know, that's how we live our life. It's, it's, we're entertaining probabilities and then we collapse and then we do this or that. And, and there's a distribution of likely through to unlikely and unlikely occurs because things that we don't anticipate in that probability distribution of everything occur, which inhibit or re-shuffle um, um, the probability distribution. Yeah, and we have relationships. We have all kinds of relationships, yeah. just as in quantum mechanics. Once an interaction has taken place, things are connected. And even if they become distant in time and space, they're still connected and they're still affecting one another. We have all kinds of relationships like that. So quantum mechanics is not that counterintuitive, actually. It's it, it, When you really think about your life, then, uh, you know, and this is where that interface is. We have this molecule by, uh, you know, the DNA. A lot of people are beginning to think that you'll need to integrate quantum mechanics with the understanding of genetics. These are very interesting fields, but they're scientific fields, and they're not fields where the, the popular press can tell people what they should and shouldn't think. Well, this is almost like, I didn't know, I would realize we would quite wander into this, but this is an attack on consciousness, what's going on fundamentally, on that layer of our existence. It, well, it could well be, actually. The, uh, there was an article in the Herald yesterday where it was reported antidepressant use, uh, antidepressant prescribing was increasing, and they published a table of figures. And, oh, wow, you know, it was sort of worrying. Uh, there was about a 5% uh, rise in antidepressant prescribing each year over the last five years. And, uh, you know, it's a kind of familiar story, isn't it? You know, GPs are over-prescribing or uh, really we should be doing something different like giving people counselling or something like that. But when you looked at the figures, it was about 5% a year until you got to 2021. And in that year, uh, antidepressant prescribing increased by 23% for 1 to 18-year-olds. And uh, that's four times what it was before. And for 19 to 24-year-olds, it doubled, 14% increase. And for older uh, older age groups, it also doubled. Something completely different happened in that year, 2021. Now, can you think back and think what we might have done in 2021? Mm, i <laughs> yeah. idea. Yes. Yeah. I'm sure it's and a then, if you really want to know what's happening there, then uh, you have to go to data, right? You have to sort of have a bit of more detail. Well, if you look at the U.S. VAERS system, that's the Vaccine Adverse Effect Reporting System in the U.S., and you use you do a search on that database and you use the keywords uh, 
uh, psych, schizophrenia, hallucination, delusion, visions, voices, suicide, mania, dreams, seizure, conscious memory, and depression. And you find that there were 54,900 reports, predominantly among young people, that are registered as a side effect of taking the COVID vaccine. Wow. Okay. And, so we, we could be seeing effects that we, um, none of us have really, well, I know that you've considered them, but we usually talk about physical effects, you know, that are demonstrably physical, but we're into an area now that is, is way out there. Well, every, every drug is known to have psychological effects. The mind and the body are two sides of one coin. You know, why do we take why do people take drugs for psychological disturbance? Because body and mind are connected. Yeah. So it just absolutely stands to reason that if you're going to do something fundamental to the cells of the body and the way their genetics operates. Now let's just remember there are 37 trillion cells, but they all have exactly the same DNA. And that that those cells are unique to you. If you have a transplant of a heart or any other organ, you're going to have to take immune suppressant drugs for the rest of your life because your body does not like cells from someone yeah. else. Yeah, it wants to expunge them. Get rid yeah. of them. So you're altering the, your unique cells in your body through an mRNA vaccine or the a big sledgehammer, the big, the big blunt instrument comes in. Yeah, and it's altering what's absolutely fundamental to you as a person that maintains your stability, your stability of mental health, of physical health. Um, I, I saw a documentary once, it just reminded me, it was a long time ago, probably a BBC documentary, and it was <clears throat> covering people who had had organ transplants. I think one of the women had a double lung and heart transplant, which is huge when you think about it. And she took on the personality traits of the young man that those organs came from. She took on interests that he had. She which... liked. She began to like driving around on motorbikes, and um, you know, drinking beer. Yeah, yeah, that sort of thing. <laughs> and and I guess the implication was that there's somehow wired into those organs somewhere in the DNA, maybe in the cells not just the mechanisms to, to maintain the whole thing, but elements of the personality of the person that they came from. Yeah, because, yeah, mind and body connected. That, yeah. You know, the, the DNA has a memory in it. It stores what has happened to you. And uh, what's happened to your ancestors, what's more. And what you did with various diseases, it's very complex. Uh, it's a memory bank, but it's also highly flexible. So something comes along that it, it's never seen before, and that works out how to deal with it. And there again, you see this lack of flexibility in telling the nervous system, imprinting on the immune system, which is what uh, these vaccines, mRNA vaccines do. They imprint on the immune system that you are going to do it this way. And it's this imprinting that is at the root of the fact that the 
we become that this study found that people become more susceptible to COVID the more vaccines that they have. <laughs> oh dear. All right. Well, now we've got AI coming at us. We've got this attack on our DNA is really what it is. This huge experiment going. I do get the feeling that there is an attack on on what it is to be human. You know, or or, or there's a there's a uh, an effort to recalibrate it, reset it. Yeah, people say transhumanism. Yeah, well, yeah, that's the word. I, I when I think of AI, I think well. You know, computers only do what they've been programmed to do. So yes, AI is a threat, but it's a threat in the wrong hands. Uh, AI is not going to start a war all by itself. It, it's only going to do so if someone tells it it's got to do that. But so, it, it, it could interface with the updating of or the monstering of DNA. You know, um, I don't know. I'm 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 suspicious of everything now. Yeah, Maybe of I'm course, trying to join course, too many dots. Well, it's certainly been used by the uh, to promote uh, vaccination AI. I mean, it was used extensively to, you know, as a tool to spread information uh, because it's very good at that kind of task. Yeah, but, uh, it's it's it, it. The problem with AI is that it it has difficulty uh, distinguishing truth from falsehood. It, it's, it's, and that's where humans have that ability, you know, because we have something universal about us and that must be enshrined and, and supported by our DNA. We have that universal sense of what it is to be human. And that's why, that's another reason why changing the DNA or the way the DNA functions is it's a step into the unknown that we really don't want to take. Do you think nature in the end senses this and goes, we're not buying this anymore, whammo? Well, nature's already, this is one of my themes I love, is that nature's already ruling the planet. You, you know, we're getting our energy from the sun. We're reliant upon the seasons. Uh, it, it, nature's already in the driving seat here. And we'll see what happens. We, you know, anyone who's going to start to match up in a bout against the sun and the seasons, I, you know, I, I know who's going to win there. Yeah, but you know <laughs> what I mean. Like, uh, like uh, an immune system detects an invader and deploys resources to deal with it. In a bigger picture, you know, the environment, whatever you want to call it, detects that something's not right here. And it knows already has wired in through four billion years of putting it together ways of dealing with it. <laughs> you know. Yeah, well, maybe, but we've gone somewhere where we shouldn't have gone. You know, we've gone inside the cell world, just like we did with nuclear energy. We went inside the nucleus of the atom, and it was almost uncontrollable. And that's why, you know, there's this huge global effort to control um, nuclear technology because it is so dangerous because you've broken through a barrier. It, you know, that's the seismic shift that we talked about in the article where we began. We've yeah. broken through a barrier. And when we went inside the cell wall with these medical and vaccine technologies, we broke through a barrier 
life begins with a single cell. We broke into that and we've started to tear apart the integrity of the cell. And I don't think we can say where this is going to go. I don't think we can say with certainty that, oh, it'll all be all right in the end. I don't think we can. I think we really, we have to rethink this whole thing. It, 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 it's gone too far. I think that's a great way to end it. It's gone too far. <laughs> yeah. Okay, everybody, it's gone too far. Enough. Stop now. But they're not stopping. That's that's the problem. They're not stopping. They're getting knighthoods and damehoods, <laughs> seeking re-election. It, it just doesn't stop. Guy Hatchard, thank you again for coming on RCR. Great to talk again. It always is. Won't be the last time. And uh, we'll keep a, a lookout for the Hatchard report for what comes next. Thank you. Great to talk to you, Paul. RCR with Paul Brennan. Reality Check Radio.